The Guardian. The joy of ebooks is that great stories are just a click away. For our podcast listeners, we have a great offer on Luke Harding's book Mafia State, a menacing tale of life as a journalist in present-day Russia. I'll tell you more at the end of the show. Hello and welcome to The Guardian Film Show, which this week is all about love. We'll be looking at the flush of first love and the angst and awkwardness of forbidden love. We'll also be looking at a doting father's love for his cherished family and the rage that you feel when someone sets out to hurt that family and you want to tear them apart and shoot them in the face and trample their bloody innards into the dirt. It all comes from a place of love. Breaking hearts on this week's show... Troubled teen Logan Lerman pines after Harry Potter graduate Emma Watson in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. 30-something Josh Radner is tempted by the forbidden fruit of a college student in liberal arts. And when Ethan Hawke uncovers ghoulish goings-on at a haunted house, you can bet it's going to turn sinister. But we start with Taken 2, in which Liam Neeson's retired CIA superhero sets out to protect his family the only way he knows how by killing everyone who stands in his way. We sent The Guardian's Andrew Pulver along to tackle Neeson about the role, and come to think of it, we haven't seen him since. Our brothers. Our sons. We will find him. We will have our revenge. Number one was just a complete, wonderful little compact European thriller, um, a one-off. And um, however, Luc Besson, the producer and co-writer, had uh, propositioned a couple of ideas and came back with this scenario. And I remember thinking, yeah, this could maybe work. It's, 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 it's rooted in something real, you know. He's here. I mean, what I liked about these Tekken films is, like, it, you know, it's a guy trying to be a father, albeit an overprotective one. That's essentially his role in life, and that's that's kind of 100% of his energy goes goes into that. And suddenly he's called into the field, and people are going to come for you too. What are you going to do? What I do best. Peter, this is a curious third act for Liam Neeson, who's this very earthy, intense, gritty actor who played Oscar Schindler and Rob Roy and Alfred Kinsey, and is now basically playing Richard Littlejohn. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, he's this action hombre now. And I've got to admit, you've got to admire his absolute professionalism because he gives this role exactly what he gave Oscar Schindler. There's no indication in his face that it's anything less Mm. than all these other roles he's Mm. done in the past. He always brings to it this statuesque, presence and always treats it as if it's an absolute serious job like all his other jobs and there's something slightly surreal about that I, I mean I, I admire him I even kind Is of that like the saving grace though of the film? I don't know it's a very <laughs> silly it's a very very silly Taken 2 has such silly stuff in it I mean it's it's put together with a certain amount of chutzpah it is a bit silly the twist on it now is that he gets kidnapped yeah. uh, which is all a bit weird so he has to somehow make signals to his daughter to find him, and now she's got to rush around. It's, 
it's slightly less violent. I can't believe I'm saying that because it's very violent. It has the classic Luc Besson trope of people getting shot in the face at very close range, usually in hotel corridors. Interestingly, this is a 12A and the first taken was a 15. Yeah. It's still quite violent, to be honest with you. And maybe that 12A is a little bit on the controversial side. The other controversy, mm. do, you, do you have a problem with who's getting shot in the face? It's, you know, Muslims, basically. Uh, there's lots of shots of the uh, Turkish national flag, <laughs> basically. It's Muslims, although that's never made mm. uh, explicit. But certainly but Europeans... And, yeah, and greasy and vicious. And, and, and incredibly incompetent. Yeah. I mean, they leave him unguarded in this basement while they sit around their telly watching football of all the... Un that is to say, mm. soccer, of all the... Un I mean, short of actually watching the Ryder Cup, yeah. there's nothing more un-American they could have been doing. But, of course, they're very stupid because they leave him alone. Uh, so he manages to kind of, you know, signal to his daughter. But there's no torture this time. Mm. Uh, back, in, back in the day, back in 2008, at the tail end of the last presidency, yeah. a bit of good old-fashioned Jack... Yeah, a bit of good old-fashioned Jack Bauer torture, yeah. uh, sort of Frankie Fraser wiring your testicles up to the mains. That's cool. That's absolutely fine. Nowadays, we're a little bit more squeamish about that, and it doesn't happen. So it, we're all a little bit touchy-feely and politically correct. I have to say, about torture. So there isn't as much torture. The ending, rather tantalisingly, leaves it open for a, a, a taken three. But then you think, who, who's left? You know, who, know, is it going to be the dog who gets taken uh, I, I don't time? know. Maybe he's got lots of other relatives that we, that we don't Aunt know about. Aunt Jemima. Yeah, exactly. She's going, to be, she's going to be snatched as well. Maybe Ray Fiennes could come back and reprise his role from Schindler's List and be the baddie. Drawing a veil on Taken 2, then, we turn our attention to The Perks of Being a Wallflower, a coming-of-age romance about mixed-up kids and the mixtapes that they love. Hey, everyone. Everybody. Raise your glasses to Charlie. What did I do? You didn't do anything. We just want to toast our new friend. You see things, and you understand. Logan Lerman, Ezra Miller and Emma Watson are gawky teens, adrift on the island of misfit toys and navigating the choppy waters of an American high school. Lerman plays a shy, pill-popping depressive who's thrown a lifeline by Watson's cool, crooked indie kid. Alone, these two are a disaster. Together, they could be, I don't know, heroes. Peter, I've had my issues with the, the Harry Potter kids in the past, mm. um, Emma Watson perhaps most of all, and yet she's perfectly adequate, perfectly adequate, put it on the poster, perfectly adequate. I think it. she's perfectly adequate, as we say in the business, in this, the film is not perfectly adequate, it made me break out in hives. Uh, it's one of two films this week with a kind of booky, learny, first lovey, mixtape making-y vibe. Uh, but this one I found as phony as a $3 bill. I sort of hated it. I, I was looking forward to it as well because I'm a big fan of Ezra Miller. And mm. he was so great in uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin. And here but he plays the, 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 the mixed-up gay kid. campy, queeny gay kid who, insultingly enough for gay audiences, has only one uh, purpose. And that is to be the sacrificial victim for the straight characters. The, make no mistake, the straight characters are important. He is not important. He is just this sort of capering jazz hands turn whose job it is to transfer the spotlight ultimately to the straight characters. So that's a sort of attitude I had with this mm. film. And the other one, there's something so phony about 
the use of abuse. Now, I don't want to get too into it, but the, the idea of abuse is important in the, in the film. But well, it's, it's the big denouement, isn't it's it? It's the big denouement, but it's there to underline the overwhelming importance yeah. of everything that's happening. So all normal teenage experience, all to the run-of-the-mill teenage yeah. experience, unabused, run-of-the-mill, Commodore Garden loneliness, that's not good enough. That's not nearly important enough or dramatic enough. No, mm. you know, abuse has to be... It has, to be a, big it has to be a massive reason there. Uh, and I think having played this massive ace of trumps, the film can't absorb that. Uh, it can't do justice to that. It can't really express that theme in any way. And I, there's so many false notes in this film. I just felt the whole thing was, was very, very leery. I agree with you that the, the need to explain the main character Charlie's kind of trauma at the end was, was crass and, and redundant. But up till then, I thought it had some nice moments. There was a kind of, there was a compassion for, for these characters in there, I thought. Yes, but I wanted to know, well, what's the real story behind this? Who, who's written and directed this film? Now tell me about your real teenage years. Mm. And I bet you they weren't, weren't anything like that. Well, I bet you they were more articulate, no, I bet you they were more interesting, mm. a more, a more, more vibrant, a more interesting than that yeah. piece of, uh, a flowery and contrived nonsense. And you've got the obligatory sympathetic English teacher played by Paul Rudd. Yes, that's so inevitable. It's so inevitable that Paul Rudd should have to play the sensitive, caring English teacher on whose classroom wall, I have to say, Emily Dickinson is misspelt. Thank you so much. But yes, it's so cliched and recommending J.D. Salinger. It's so awful. Is there enough here to suggest that Emma Watson has survived the curse of Harry Potter and has a, an adult career ahead of her now? Yes, I think there is. Uh, she's the one who doesn't do badly in this film. She's the one who's doing the least amount of acting with a capital A. Uh, Ezra Miller and Logan Lerman are really quite self-conscious in the presentation of the various persona, whereas Emma Watson is keeping a lid on it. And actually, I don't think she does too badly. She's quite, it's quite a mature performance. I had lunch with Craig today. Yeah? He said he was sorry and that I was right to break up with him. I'm driving away and just feeling so small. Just asking myself, why do I and everyone I love pick people who treat us like we're nothing? We accept the love we think we deserve. The perks of being a wallflower there. The other way of um, reclaiming the teenage experience from an adult middle-aged perspective is by dating a teenager. Simple, really. It's a wonder everyone's not doing it. This, incidentally, is the premise for liberal arts. Professor Peter Hoberg. Now, I know Ohio is not as glamorous as New York, but they're throwing me a retirement dinner thing. When is it? Weekend of the 25th. You know, check your schedule. Checking now. Ah, looks like I have to shift some things around. Liberal Arts stars Josh Radner as Jesse, a bookish guy who leaves New York for the sylvan, guitar-strumming, frisbee-tossing campus of his old college in Ohio. There, he meets Elizabeth Olsen's warm, smart sophomore who loves books and music and him. Only Pennsylvania stands between us, she tells him. That and the worrying 16-year age gap. I don't know if you know this, but uh, I'm a few years older than you. Did you think this was like a romantic thing? 
Just kidding. Peter, um, liberal arts written, directed and starring Josh Radden, which suggests there's a, a, a semi-autobiographical vibe to this film. Yeah, at least it's honest about wanting to kind of go back to one's roots and do it all again it's right this time. what it's all about, isn't it, it? It is what it's all about. I quite like this movie. I thought it was funny. It was kind of charming. It was quite highbrow, or at any rate, upper middle brow. Uh, I thought it didn't quite have the courage of its convictions, to be honest with you. I thought it slightly failed at the ultimate events, but I thought it was f funny. I thought um, Josh Radner's performance himself, he, because he was, he'd written and directed himself, he, it was a kind of undirected performance. Yeah. So he was slightly blank. Yeah, he's the everyman, isn't he? He is sort of everyman, but maybe that's the only way of doing it, really, because it would be so cutesy and outrageous if he was going to overreact mm. to every little thing that happens. And I have to say, Elizabeth Olsen is very good. She's she great. She is has this miraculous uh, ease and naturalness, real movie acting, which almost just can't be taught. She mm. seems to have it in her DNA. She just, she just gets in front of the camera and does it, and it's and great. A wonderful mix of being an exasperating, precocious teenage yes. student who's into her improv and her classical music, yes. but then being properly vulnerable and unsure herself. Yes, well. and it was, it's a real trick to pull off. And when she gives, uh, when she gives Jesse, the character's name is Jesse, a mixtape, again, that awful thing of a mixtape, and it turns out to be of classical music, and there's that really very nice montage of him wandering around the Manhattan streets mm. listening to this finding music. Finding everyone attractive. Finding everyone attractive. Really funny, smart, really kind of deftly managed, smart, funny, great stuff. Really nice stuff in there, really nice, nice stuff. support turns from, yeah. from Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins, very, very good. The whole idea of, of his uh, dilemma as to whether or not he should date this teenager uh, and go back to his youth coming up in tandem with uh, uh, Richard Jenkins' character, who is a retiring professor who panics and decides he doesn't want to leave the mm. nest after yeah. all. He doesn't want to leave the womb. He doesn't want to retire and has this humiliating interview with the dean. Very nicely managed, the juxtaposition yeah. between those two storylines. Very smart. he has the key line where he says, nobody feels like an adult. It's the no. world's dirty secret. It's the world's dirty secret. You know, I feel like I'm 19 as well, but guess what? I'm not. I don't look 19 mm. anymore. Good. It's really good stuff. And uh, a very funny, slightly broad turn from Alison Janney as the sort of sexy, older, and very unromantic... Sort of black widow. Yes, a teacher of, of... Very unromantic teacher of romantic poets uh, who, on whom, of course, Jesse still has a bit of a crush. I like this a great deal. I thought it was, it was funny, sad, and it was about nostalgia for the past and mm. the, 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 the desperate attempt, and obviously inevitably failed attempt, to, yeah. to reclaim youth. So I agree yeah. with you that it's almost a bit too civilised for its own good and yeah. that it does back off. I, I wanted to love it and I did really like it. I wanted to love it. I thought there were faults with it with a certain minor character, certain minor characters didn't work. I wanted to love it and I think it didn't quite do what I wanted it to do. But it's a really nice movie and yes, people should go and see it. Please tell me this is Vanessa's. Nope, that's mine. Wait, you actually read this? Yeah. All of it? Yeah. Unironically? Very sincerely. What is it with you girls and vampires? What's it about? Vampires. No, what's it about? Vampires. I don't understand. Is it good? No. I mean, yeah, but no. Well, then why read it? Because I like it. That's no reason to read something. We end today's film show not in the spirit of love, but in the spirit of a pagan ghoul called Bagul who eats children and scares the hell out of Ethan Hawke in the horror film Sinister. I didn't want to move here. We couldn't afford to live in the old house anymore. Plus, the new story I'm writing is here. Is the story a good one this time? I'm going to write the best book that anybody's ever read. 
One minute Ethan Hawke is a fading true crimes writer in search of a story. The next he's rattling about a haunted house, uncovering snuff movies in the attic and picking over the entrails of mass murder. That face in the shadows can only be Bagul, a pagan deity who dines on the souls of children. Ooh, that Bagul. Chances are he's up to no good. Peter, it's the old found footage horror film again. Yes, I mean, it's not exactly found footage, but it's kind of Super 8 movie footage discovered and lots of reaction shots of people watching it and going, oh my God, how horrifying. I've been chilled to the very core of my being, etc., etc., etc. I wouldn't be surprised if there's Sinister 2 and Sinister 3 and Sinister 4, but the prospect depresses the hell out of me. I found this absolutely by the numbers. There's no... There's no constituent element of it which was in any way original uh it's it's well put together it's mm. well put together it's efficiently put together it creates a kind of claustrophobic nastiness which is certainly workmanlike but i found it so kind of dreary and and, and horrible uh, i i found there wasn't there wasn't a kind of spark of ingenuity uh, of demonic fun that you can get in the first, the, like the first movie Saw. Saw had that. I thought the first mm. Saw was great. The first Paranormal Activity was great. But this, I just, I don't know. I couldn't get down with it at all. You've got Ethan Hawke as, as a writer in, in, in the writer's uniform. He's yes, got he's the uniform, hasn't he? absolutely got the uniform. He's got the cable-knit cardi. He's open. even got, yeah, open flapping, flapping around. He's got the, 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 the glasses on a neck chain yeah. around his eye. <laughs> he couldn't be more depressingly middle-aged if he tried. Uh, he's moved into this house with his wife uh, and kids into this small town, uh, ostensibly so he can investigate for one of his true crime, quasi Truman Capote bestsellers that he writes. Uh, the unsolved case of a missing child. Up in the attic, of course, he finds a creepy trunk with a lot of reels of Super 8 movies, home movies, and also, conveniently enough, an actual projector as well yeah. that he can plug in and switch on. He knows how to do it. He has a, you know, it takes you, you know, a day and a half to work out how to use those things, to be honest with you. But, and then he sees all sorts of horrible things. But he's saying, this could be my in cold blood. Yes. He's going to write about all he's this. He's going to write about it, but that in itself, that could be interesting, but it's never explored. Yeah, it's the idea. The no, no, exactly. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, the, the, the footage aspect leads you to expect a kind of realist horror, a kind mm. of serial killer horror, which is interesting. But then it becomes supernatural. So it becomes flabby that anything can happen because it's supernatural. So there isn't any structural ingenuity in what happens. And I just found it uninteresting. I've never been onto something this big before. Ethan Hawke finding things sinister there. That's about it from us. My thanks as ever to The Guardian film critic Peter Bradshaw. We'll be back next week looking at the treasures in store at this year's London Film Festival. That is, assuming that Bagul doesn't get us before then. See you next week. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio. For a limited period only, we have an exclusive ebook offer for Guardian podcast listeners. Guardian columnist Luke Harding's Mafia State is a dark and ominous insight into the life of a journalist in present-day Russia. We're offering 30% off the list price of $4.99. All you have to do is go to the ebook store www.kobo.com, that's K-O-B-O.com, and at checkout put in the discount code MAFIASTATE for your Guardian podcast offer.